I'm ones and zeros, I'm just a cloud of ones and zeros, here I come, I'm being decoded. Oh, good lord. Well, here we are, episode eight. Today's episode is very special. I have my good friend Molly Redfield on. We talk about her new teaching position as a full-time faculty member at LSU. And uh, lots of other things. Musician stuff, post-secondary education, taking care of yourself, uh, work-life balance, all sorts of stuff. Let's get right into it. Quick intro. Yeah. you let's say so today I'm, I'm talking to miss molly redfield uh she's a bassist uh she is a educator she just uh was hired as a full-time faculty at lsu in the jazz department congratulations thank you big congrats uh, i can't think of anyone more deserving uh molly and i knew each other when we were gas at unlv in the jazz department also which is like uh you know it's like it's, being part of an AA club. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to go with like a war analogy, but yeah. I, I think that might be a little closer. <laughs> Considering our current climate, it's probably not as... It's a little more tasteful. Uh, yeah. Alcoholism a little is a little sensitive. more tasteful. <laughs> Depends so. on what you order, man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So tell us, tell the world about yourself. Yeah. Tell my dad about yourself. <laughs> He's my number one listener. Mr. Spicy. <laughs> directly shout out yeah um yeah i mean that that was like me in a nutshell i i do a little bit of arranging and composing i am educator i just finished up my doctorate degree so i guess now i'm a fake doctor or (laughs) md music doctor as sid would say jazz doctor um, Which is kind of like this is like a witch doctor. So yeah, it's good that you're moving to louisiana. That's right. It's to practice those things. You can shrink heads and (laughs) <laughs> Hang them you'll in have like you'll have like chicken bones hanging off of your your tuning pegs the next time I see you. Like I don't have that already. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's why you got the job. Right? That's why I got the job. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm, I'm originally from Sacramento, California, but I've lived like in all the western states that touch each other. So I don't know if okay. I really have a home. But um, right. desert You're and a western. western I'm very west coast. Yeah. Um. Oh, that sounded gross to say out loud, but yeah. California. Um, California. Taking the 50s, the 80s, the 5. Um, <laughs> it's very true, though, that stereotype. Um, do people just talk about directions? You do, because, like, the only way to get to places is by the freeway, right? It's so big. So, like, I can literally tell you, to get to my college campus, I had to go down the 50. <laughs> oh Your accent slipping into yeah. it. <laughs> Take the 50. Santa Monica um, pair. That's right. And then to get my parents, you have to go on the five to the 80. Yeah, I got this down. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, so I'm okay. from California, clearly. Um, yeah. I surf, so that counts. Um, uh, you surf? I didn't know you surf. I know, I know. Surf, really? I've gotten more into body surfing now, but yeah. Oh my God, you're way Californian. Way, you know. Get out. No. I'm sorry, I'll leave. <laughs> if a hella slips out, you let me know, okay? You bleep that out. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I'm just really excited to be here. Thanks, Michael. Oh, like, stop it! It's just way too fun, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Oh, well, so okay, so originally from California, yeah. yeah. I mean, you summed it. That's a that's succinct and good. Um, so yeah, congrats on the new teaching position. 
Um, you are a full time. Is LSU? Is it? Is it specific? Because we at the UNLV we have jazz and commercial music. Yeah. Is it called something specific? It'll, yeah, it's assistant professor of jazz studies. Okay. This is the like fancy title that came on the offer letter. So yeah, that's what I'm going with now. But um, yeah, they it's a very it's a very unique campus. They actually had a master's in jazz first, and then okay. they brought the bachelor's. And now they have a doctorate in jazz. So it's like a three-in-one type so of So people deal. would go through the track of just having a general BA yeah. in music and then go choose jazz at a master's level. Yeah, but and they, they you know, they actually have like a true artist type of level. It kind of yeah. matches what our artist degree is more for the bachelor's of arts. Okay. So it's, you know, I think like at my previous university... Um, a Bachelor of Arts just meant you did almost all of the requirements of a Bachelor's of Music. Right. You know, yeah. where here it's like you have to take a different coursework of like, what does it mean to be an artist? How do you do that? You know, it's actually taking that word artist and going somewhere with that's it. That's so, good. This is yeah. good. Cause I know. And that's why that's I was what like, questions oh. I have for you. Yeah. That's why I was like, this is perfect time. But yeah, LSU's really unique campus. There's over 450 majors and uh, 70 full time faculty. Wow. Is of music big, majors, four hundred fifty. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. So it's it's quite a big campus to step into as that's well. That's great. You know, and you, how big is the faculty? There? Seventy full time. So the music. jazz itself, yeah, or the jazz, jazz itself has, I believe, it's kind of confusing. But there's like three full time, but then I believe there's a full time jazz guitar professor as well. So technically, okay. there's like four full time. That's crazy. Out of seventy music. Yeah. People, there's only and in the south. In the that south. That close to New Orleans, like where it was born. And, Come on and, now. <laughs> we you know, we kind Come of on, like LSU. talked a lot about You're on blast yeah. now. You're all of a sudden on blast. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I uh, go You're- Tigers. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I I think you know, this came up a lot on my interview actually about the difference. You know, there are those different styles of jazz. And LSU specifically tries to not just play traditional jazz i guess there's a college down the way and they they do a lot more of that kind of traditional art form but they're kind of rethinking this because that uno i'm Uh, not sure actually i because i applied when i was leaving cruise ships i applied to university of new orleans uh there's one even closer Okay, it's yeah, actually in I know Baton a couple Rouge. Different, yeah. yeah, you know Amanda would know better than me at this. We'll yeah, to, we'll have to Zoom call. I was gonna say, episode. can I phone a friend? <laughs> <laughs> she just yell. Yeah, that'd make make for great podcast. Just Amanda on the on speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bats. Amanda. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, uh, Amanda. If you're listening, I'll I'll have you on the podcast and yeah. I'll paint you in a better light. <laughs> just did. <laughs> anyway. But um, yeah, it's 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 really cool campus, and you know I think once they that's that's one of the things I'll be involved in is kind of making sure to maybe not revamp, but at least kind of re envision some of these undergraduate requirements yeah. degrees and and try to make it match kind of more what a traditional quote unquote path would be. Yeah. Um, you know it, but it's it's a happening place. I will admit, I was really in awe when i was there so good and, like facilities good like i imagine yeah. i mean like here's the thing is like we always this sort of like idea that you have oh must be lots of great gigs out there kind of thing that mentality is is like we're kind of like shaken out because of this not even just the pandemic but just because of the last 30 years yeah. of, of the decline of live music uh but 
if you know, and I, I hesitate to say if there's gigs anywhere, it'd be down there because we live in Las Vegas, <laughs> you know, the entertainment capital of the world. But uh, and there's of course there's gigs here. But anyway, I digress. Um, I you know that's actually so. I I went to, I actually got to go to four different campuses. Yeah, I think I went all the way to four different campuses to do the on site interview and i think one of the interesting things is i really did learn that some of these big schools did not have that building that we would imagine okay you know like i remember one of the one of the really large schools that i interviewed at still had chalkboards oh and i was like okay you know another name school another one of those where i was like oh wow don't know why i got interviewed there but that's cool and they still have chalkboards and you know i LSU is kind of kind of the same. They have nice facilities, but it's not like sparkly new. Where yeah. there was another school I went to, very small, very small school, and they had like the sparkly classrooms, like yeah. what you would envision for like, oh, you know, name yeah. school. Yeah. And so I think that was really interesting for me to see that you know, um, it's kind of more the people in there, not the building itself. Yeah, and that's I really that's not that. to say like I I wouldn't. Like, if it's me, I'm not going to shy. If I get to a, a, especially with music, like, you're yeah. usually going somewhere because of the, who the professor is. Yeah. Uh, and not so much whether they have, like, nice, fancy new equipment. But that's definitely, like, that. that's something that I was impressed with with UNLV was when I, I got here am. and we had the, the, the studio, like, the actual functioning. Yeah. Like, the full-on, like, no, real people come through this and use this recording studio type well, of studio. And it was like, so, yeah, it's like, uh, it's, a, it's a good point. Well, like, and, and even, like, my, my undergrad at Sac State, like, they still had to use projectors. Yeah. You know, and, like, to set something up to do a lecture in one of those rooms, you needed all these attachments. And it was, like, yeah. the most old-school setup. Chain of dongles. Yes. And, and um. Where, like, when I went to UNLV and, like, they have a dock that everything's built into it and you, like, plug in. And, yeah. like, I remember, like, lecturing in one of the classrooms and I was like, this is the easiest thing. And my dad came once and he, like, looked and he goes, what? He was so <laughs> mad because he teaches at my undergrad. And, like, here I am with this, like, fancy setup. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this comes yeah. with the school. So, like, I, I think it, it is really interesting to me just when I would go into these different situations and just seeing, like, what the things that each student has and... Um, yeah, it was really eye-opening to me. And, well, it's, and it just makes it so you can quickly facilitate learning, right? <laughs> it's not like we're we're like we're past. I have all this cool stuff. Look at all this cool stuff we can yeah. show people, but like I can't project it onto a, ch- a chalkboard without a projector. So like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, at a certain point, it's like it does become like it just kind of like let's, let's update to the yeah modern and times, you know. It was good though also to see that you know like even these name schools because I've only gone to state schools, which yeah. you know that sometimes gets put down a lot. Like I, I didn't go to one of those, which is a mystery to me. I'm Canadian, I, so I just oh I okay, so I'll like, explain cool. this like USA <laughs> vibes. Like yeah, there's this ideology, and I remember in high school actually this this would happen a lot of like why aren't you going to Eastman, Manhattan, Juilliard, insert other name school here. And yeah, in private. And I went to the state school down the way. Yeah. Because my parents, (laughs) you know, and, and, and it, I think it was a really great fit. And actually my education turned out to be really phenomenal. Like I remember coming to UNLV, taking the entrance exams and passing all of them. And I had 
not studied or done anything to prep that. Yeah. And that, that was just the solid foundation I came from. Yeah. And then I went to a state school for my master's and my doctorate. And, you know, I think a lot of people had told me like, oh, well, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up for a B-level job. And then I end up getting this job that's at this really big name school. And and yeah, I, I don't come from an Eastman and I, I don't come from a Juilliard. Yeah. And yet I, I can still play my bass and write and lecture at a level that is worthy of whatever it is that they thought yeah. I wouldn't have. And so I think... Like that whole ideology of you have to go to an Eastman. You have to go to... It's not true. You need to go practice. Yeah. That's that's really what I learned. Yeah. Like you need to practice and you need to study and you need to be a good person and, yeah. and you need to be able to talk to people. I really yeah, found out how important to, that is. Be able to work with somebody. You exactly. Need to be able to sit down and not be hated by colleagues. <laughs> you, and, and it really... It sounds really terrible to say this, but you do have to have a personality. Yeah. You know, I, that was such a big part. I Throughout this whole interview process... One of my mentors told me it was a lot like online dating. You know, you put an application and they swipe right or they swipe left. Yeah. You then go on to a Zoom call and you talk a little bit to see if you really match your qualifications or if you can talk. And then you get to meet them in person finally, just like when you finally get to that date part of the Tinder date. And they, they take you around and they see if you match. And at yeah. that point... You know, even my colleague now, he kept telling me when I landed, he goes, I, I know you're probably nervous. He was like, but you need to know. You have all the qualifications to have this job at this point. You got the interview. That means you are qualified. At this right. point, it's just seeing if the fit is right. And yeah. that's so true. And and so, you know, it's really that personality side. I should do the same action. Sounds your phones. Sounds my phone. This segment brought to you by Tinder. <laughs> I was going to say, you got a match. <laughs> Just, that was on, my hands like, which one's which one's yes and no? oh right is yes right is yes okay. oh that's right oh yeah you that, met yours the traditional yeah, I, route yeah i don't i don't have any experience with that Thank if my God. parents ask me i ask i met what mine a, the traditional that route scares too. me i don't i don't like that that's that's why whatever See, but in this day and age we, we can't talk to people and i think that's like yeah. what i learned like on this interview they take you out to dinner yeah, and and you have to make the most awkward small talk because you know everything you say is oh, man, going to like that. be I'm against the best it. At small talk, yeah, and that's like, but that's the <laughs> skill you gotta Can't have. Can't tune, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but I can talk real good. Yeah, um, I but that's such a big deal, and then your ability to communicate with students, not only academically, but like they have to like you. Yeah. And so, you know, it was always a win for me when, like, students would come up to me afterwards and they wouldn't want to stop talking to me. And, like, I had to, like, shoo the committee members off. It's like, no, I'm not going to go in that interview room with you. I'm talking to this kid and it's really fun. And But that's part of it. Like, you... And no... I mean, I didn't go there, so this might be out of line to say, but no Manhattan School of Music and stuff would have taught me how to talk, right? That's a that's right. a skill that I learned based off of doing other things for my university. Well, the I think the point is that you're learning the same exact thing that exactly you would. The you same. just your your ticket at the end of that says a different name on it. Yes, right. And so it's really at the end of it, I've really learned, and I can say this now, being on the other side, it's what you do yeah. at where you go. It's not where you go. Because yeah. anyone could go there. Exactly. Anyone could pay the sixty, seventy thousand dollars to go there. But yeah. it, it still comes down to how much time did you spend in the practice room? How much time did you spend honing your craft? And then at, on top of that, like, did you do something more than that too? Right? Yeah. Like, you can't just spend seven hours in a practice room and then try yeah. and get a job because that's all you did, and that doesn't equate to anything. Even exactly. at a point, like, they want to see more than I played all these cool gigs. It's like, well, congrats. Yeah. So have you done this though? Have you taught? Have you? And, and so having kind of this, 
I really did learn on the other side, like having a really diverse resume was really a big win for me. And, and yeah. there was a lot of boxes that I could check for them um, as opposed to I play bass. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think that was that was really important. And I actually my state schools gave me those opportunities. You know, yeah. they had those moments for me to go to some donor dinner and talk it up and, and work for the dean and do all these things that were just very unique that, you know, that was just. The opportunity that could be afforded to me. Yeah, so. and it's, it didn't have to happen at Juilliard. It didn't have to happen exactly. at Eastman. Although yeah. Eastman's great. Eastman's this, great. This segment brought to you by Eastman. Yes, all those schools uh, are great. Like, don't uh, get that wrong. <laughs> no, but I think you raise a good point in that um, y- you have, uh, like, what we think of, what what our view of success is. I think, like, we, we all need to kind of take a step back and look yeah. at the overall picture of, of things because... You know, like talking to maybe my parents or someone who is uh, maybe not a musician or whatever, or like my mother-in-law or something, just like talking about like, oh, like what what could you do? What what makes you a successful musician? It's like the the first thing you think of, well, who who have you played with? You know, and yeah. I think that's there's a lot of merit to that. Oh yeah, because if you say you played with Janet Jackson or Boys to Men or whatever, like you're you're in the horn section for Boys to Men, at, uh, that's the first thing I think of. Hashtag Eddie Rich. What oh, up, Eddie Rich? So well, good. Your episode's coming up soon, sometime. Uh, <laughs> Love that. Dude. I'll take the word hashtag out of that when I just said. <laughs> um, but no, so like I think there's merit to to having like those names yeah. under your belt on your resume oh, because you have it proves much like whatever your piece of paper is yeah. it proves that you are at a certain level right yes. like you wouldn't they wouldn't have chosen you if you weren't the absolute best recommended by the best right yeah. um like i haven't played with ray charles right it's like i don't know what that's like and i think knowing directly what that's like is is a very much like a it's a real world thing however i think that defining what like what you're qualified for yeah. depends on what your kind of job you're going for what kind of career you're going for i think that i you know i i came here and i got a lot of opportunity handed to me because uh of well one of because of my wife and like her name and her putting her name behind my name yeah uh, and some of just my own reputation from cruise ships uh, and some people we knew here in town anyway. And then through Adam, you know, he's recommending me for, for stuff. Um, but like, and, and that's just, just through like people getting to know me. I going to say, like, is that networking? No one heard me play a note, right? Yeah. Like I come out here and a bass player friend of ours had never heard me play. We'd never worked together before. Started, started me on gigs because he knew that I was at a certain level. Right? Yeah. Um, but like, so like my playing will get me to a certain point, but um, I think that it, it you need a more well-rounded, the thing I'm thinking of is that I go and do a master's and then I end up being a part of the entire production cycle of two full albums. Yeah. Two double disc albums. Are they both double disc? Yeah, I think so. I think they are. Um, but yeah, and like learning about like licensing music and publishing my own music and you know, like all the stuff that I did after yeah. I, I left and all that stuff. Um, learning about nonlinear stuff. Um, it's it's the type of thing where I don't, I have like, I don't know, I'm rambling now, but like I think that we have to better define what the person is going to be doing afterwards. Yes. Because there's this weird 
and I think it's I think we're drifting away from it and it's good we're we're figuring it out because it is hard because it's we're changing so <laughs> so fast you know if I would like to see someone explain to Wynton Marsalis what an NFT is right <laughs> so <laughs> So, (laughs) but like, but like, you know what I mean? Like the landscape is just this weird, mysterious thing where, and we're coming from institutions. You're teaching a a 20 something year old that in order to be called a success, you need to be able to build a solo. You need to be able to know figured base, you need to be a species counterpoint, blah, blah, blah. All these things that. I use Bach four-part writing every day. Although I will say Species Counterpoint is still good. I think you should use that because that does. I, I use that in my writing all the time. But not specifically. It's just good to learn Counterpoint. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> well, so. I, I, think, I think this really leads. I, You know, I, I, was, I got to witness one of my friends teaching these high schoolers. And, and he had brought up that Bob Menser had come to his high school. Yeah. Um, back in, you know, however old we are now. And he had told them, like, to be a professional musician, you need to be good at two of these three things, which okay. is you need to be able to write, okay. teach, or play. Yeah. Pick two. And yeah. now I think I would add recording to that. And so... Recording in, like, as any far as production? Production side. Like this, the ability. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Technical, especially during that, that pandemic. Techno- technologically based yes. knowledge. Yeah. I think, like, your ability to work with a DAO... And knowing what that means. Yeah. And then being able to mix your own tracks, at least to a basic level that you could send that off to a producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how most of people are recording now. Like yeah. Eric Marenthal came to this workshop and he had said that mm-hmm. his whole last album he made in his office in a corner to the right. Isn't that interesting that yeah. that's, if you think about it as far as like, say, society is a corporate structure or a company, you've now merged musician and audio produce audio engineer into one job it's so it's like i wonder what the impacts of like of people who are going through audio engineer degrees are gonna because they're gonna see a decline in their business people coming to them for this mysterious thing called recording their music you know i think the things that are gonna change just even based off of what i've seen now is i think that whole idea of going into the studio is going to go away. Because why would you want to yeah. pay $400 to use the same mics yeah. that you have and the same setup that you have? $90 on Amazon. We yeah. Got, we got what we're recording on right now. So <laughs> Yeah. And, and to use, what, a click track, which you were going to use anyways. And yeah. It's just, it's different now. It isn't really as, I think, organic as we used to be. I hate to throw that because that's a rabbit hole to go down. But I, right. I really, that whole natural interactions, we're going to catch that on a microphone. That doesn't happen anymore. People overdub their solo, their solos later anyways. Yeah. You know, all these things are really changing. Yeah, that's interesting. And so I think what... I don't. Most, I mean, I think there's still a place for that. There definitely is. But, but yeah. I still think like most of the jobs for those people getting studio, like recording artistry things, is going to be that second step, which is most of us don't have the skills to master to the level that we hear in our head. And so I think like Jacob Coley, for instance, he does all of his basic mixes, but then he sends it to the studio to have it mastered. Well, and I, I get, I have uh, a discord server that um, I, with a a couple of friends of mine that we, we sort of just pass our, our, our productions to. So like, can you listen to this track? Does the mix sound okay? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, there's people on there, um, Yoni Kessler. Maybe I'll interview you one day. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll add you. I think you're on the list. Whatever. I have a huge list um, of people to interview. Uh, he has great. He's his his 
skills in mastering and mixing are like just leagues above mine. So yeah. it's like like any input he can give me is amazing. But I'm also probably just going to end up sending him stuff because I don't have time. Exactly. I go They're do basically else. it's like an editor. Right? So you know? I, I can hire him. Yeah. yeah. I think. But that's that's my point is that some people are good at this and some people are good at that. Yeah. So this weird cyclical thing where you go to jazz school so that you become a professor to teach kids who then go to jazz school to become a professor to teach kids and blah 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 um that's that's as far as i'm when i learned when i was in my bachelor's which was over a decade ago jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) it's over a decade ago i graduated over a decade ago um i remember thinking like i can either find a gig Mm. or find a teaching gig Right, and those are kind of like the only two things that I was aware of, just from my yeah my specific program at my specific school. I'm not saying that, and like that's probably changed. And oh stuff, no, but. I think that's what we're kind of under the scope of looking, especially like yeah. the questions that I got on these interviews really do reflect that we're trying to rethink what a bachelor's yeah. degree is, and and I think like thinking of that 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 Mincer quote. I think our job now in the undergraduate degree is to just introduce you to all those different facets. Yes. Right. And and the yeah. the classes they're creating now are so different. Like we didn't have a recording artistry class when I was, you know, in school. We didn't have a business management class when I went to undergrad. And it hasn't been 10 years. I guess it's been seven. So, you know, but still, it's this idea that you just need to get introduced to the other career that's available in art. I think that yeah. idea that everyone has in their head of the professional musician, yeah. which is they go on stage and play that, that, that doesn't exist. I, I really don't believe that. Right. I, I kind of question if it did. I, you know, yeah, I, I yeah, it's, it's well put. Yeah. And, and I, I remember this quote, I don't remember who said it, but he used to say this to our high school band at the time, which was, if you want a, a nine to five job, you're going to have to have a five to nine job. Or if you want a five to nine job, you're going to have to have a nine to five <laughs> right, right, job. Yeah, there you go. Basically, sense. if you want to work at night playing, you're going to still have to have yeah. a day job. But isn't that crazy? Like we chose a profession where it's like working to death yeah. is the goal. <laughs> well, for real though. Oh, but I, I get more work. Yes. I think. No, what, motherfucker. I want to come home and like, come take a nap. And but I think like that's that's the like. So I look at my my teacher and mentor, Katie Theroux, right? Mm-hmm. She is a different level of artist than I will ever be because she's so addicted to her instrument that we'll have these conversations where she'll be like, I really wanted to take the day off today, but I just, I had to go touch the bass. And I'm like, I don't have that draw in me. I <laughs> never will. Like you, I, you have no idea how good it is to hear you say that because yeah. like, I wouldn't guess that from you I know. and you're playing. It doesn't like... come off like that. <laughs> I, but yeah, I... and. It's true. It's like you're sick of it sometimes. I it's like, and well, when I drive home, I listen to podcasts. I don't want to hear music. I don't. Where she <laughs> listens, God, I she probably has like some Ray Brown album on right now, off in the middle of wherever she is in Europe right now. Like I can guarantee you, she has music in her ears. Where I'm <laughs> yeah. like, please turn off. You addict, stop addict. It. That's why you're so but, uh, damn. Listen good. to a podcast for Let's, Christ's sake. Gosh, she has one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, uh, listen to your own podcast. Yeah. but you know I. When, when I talk to her, though, about how she does it, she, you know, she doesn't have a manager. She doesn't want to spend that money on it. So no. she calls all these things like restaurants, halls, venues that are near whatever is taking her to that area. And she sets up all of those things herself. And she has her own trio and she books all of their own flights. And she, she has all of that side of it. You know, that's. That should be. That's entrepreneurship. That should be a 
fucking class, and, right? And that's why I think they're starting this. Like, that's, I know at LSU, they have that. That was know? such a mystery to me when I was leaving my bachelor's. It's yeah. like, how do people go and have get? How do you get gigs? How do you go and, oh, it's, it's a matter of, like, pounding the pavement. What does that mean? What does that look like? Show me how to do that. Where are the venues? Who do I talk to? Do I talk to the person behind the bar and ask for the manager? Yeah. Or do I talk to the person who owns the place? Do I talk to... Blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. All the things that were just like, I don't know. You just be good enough that somebody notices you. It's kind of like the general Again, vibe it's that of what myth I got. of yeah. that professional musician. Yeah. And, and I think at the same time, like, I really, really despise the teachers who are like, oh, teaching is sucks and it's yeah. so blow. It's like, dude, you're teaching me. You are a teacher. Yeah. You know, like in the undergraduate degree. If you're not I, good at it. You I, shouldn't I, be doing it. And, and <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it's like, why advocate for that when you're clearly profiting off of that? So, yeah. you know, don't advocate against being a teacher because you're clearly that where's your retirement, your yeah. health care and everything exactly. is from being a teacher. Yeah. Why do you get all that time to like work on your art? Because you're a college professor and you right. have very limited roles. I but mean, unless you're an adjunct. Unless but, you're you know. adjunct and then you're <laughs> like adjunct. breathing <laughs> and driving way too much. Yeah. But I think like... Wait, wait, what is that? Go back to that. So like, okay, in California, <laughs> this actually, you know, this goes back to that whole state college argument. So I, I remember there was this like, okay, I can't say that on there, but there's this <laughs> conservatory okay. that was down the road. Okay. And um, it was like sixty to $70,000 a semester okay. or a year, two semesters. And I looked at the faculty and they were all like that same adjunct professors who were at the state college I went to. Where it was three thousand per okay. a year, and so I just always thought that was funny because in California there's so many schools like you could throw a rock and hit a college right. or a university or the like UC system. So all these professors that are adjunct, what they do is they they jump and they drive, and each day they're at a different university, and some go all the way down to San Francisco yeah. for one day, and then they're back in you know, and so you know the adjunct life is is that kind of like you're jumping between schools. We can't do that here in Nevada because there's like two schools. Right. Um, but, you know, that that's what I always identify the adjunct life with was my base teachers who yeah. would go teach at all these universities. And it was funny. Almost that they, like freelance. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And the funny thing, though, is like, you know, it was just another reason of like, why do I go to the conservatory down the way when it's the same base teacher well, then it's like, but, that, <laughs> it's but like, that's the point of like, does it matter more what the name of your exactly. school is or does it matter more what the person is teaching yeah. you or the, the content that they're teaching you? Oh, right. And, and, you know, I remember one of my, my first mentor who convinced me to go down this whole route to begin with, he had told me from the beginning where you go to undergrad doesn't matter at all. Yeah. You really doesn't matter. That's what I was kind of told too. Yeah. And in the it's where you get your graduate degrees that, you know, you need to show that you, you stepped up or you did something. Yeah. You know, and um, and I still think it's it's what you did at that school still. I mean, I, I really, if I went to Eastman, okay, great. That'd be a name behind it. But I don't necessarily think that, I don't think I, well, I got the job. So I can't say I'd be more advantaged and get a job because I got a job. So it's, it's yeah. hard to be on this side and still say that to this day because I, I don't know. UNLV was a step up from my undergraduate degree. Yes. Could I have gone a step further? Absolutely. Yeah. To get my doctor. But I, you know, I didn't. Um, and you know, I just, I think all the time though, like an undergraduate institution, like at the undergrad level yeah. is really now just a taste of all this. Cause like yeah. within the sound engineering itself, there's like what you're doing with the, the game music, mm-hmm. the sound, you know, 
all of the soundscaping sound you create and sound yeah. design. Thank you. Couldn't think of the word. I was like, how many things start with sound? <laughs> what rhymes with sound? Okay. So yeah, you've got all of that side. And then, you know, people, undergrads complain all the time about learning theory. Well, that's so you can write your own music right. or you can arrange or you can be aware of like to play better. It, mm-hmm. it does help to know what happens at the harmony underneath. Well, that's because it doesn't have immediate results. So exactly. Like, Why am I learning this? It's like, well, and there's a certain, and look, there's a certain there, things where like there's appendixes of that should absolutely. be maybe lopped off, like learning figured bass. And that's what eh. we're, that's what we're getting into <laughs> that's, now. That's kind of the whipping boy of no. theory, figured bass. You but. know, I, so my, my dad's college really took the, uh, that whole kind of Black Lives Matter movement to heart. Okay. And they went first to music theory and music history. And that was like one of the first things they lopped off It's like, why are we spending a whole semester teaching medieval history? Yeah. And we're not going to spend any time talking about rap, hip hop, uh, right. any music from Eastern Asia. Um, like we're just leaving off right. all this music that's actually being performed today Yeah. <laughs> to spend a semester talking about Gregorian chant. Right. And so, you know, and learning how to write and read that all these things are antiquated. And, and I, I do believe, um, I wish I could remember his name. There's a great scholar who talks about, you know, there, there's some what there's some racist teaching and ideology within right. that that it's it's based in white Western tradition, right. and we we're gonna really learn that. Yeah, Adam good. Neely has a, a video about that. Yeah, uh, not the obviously that's not the scholar. I'm, yeah, necessarily, but I'm really but, trying to think of it'll hit me like in the middle of this or I'll look. Well, it up it's later. the assumption that Western music is of superior and all that stuff, and, and and leaving out it's okay to teach it. Like I don't want to throw anything off here but sure no you've got to teach we still use we still use all of it but i think it's important and this is what this scholars um fuel is his last name um that you need to teach the what it's based in like for instance um the whole idea of shankir and like his ideology it's it's actually to just prove that germans were above any other race and so but we don't teach that when we teach it right and so it's like it's okay to teach the method but make sure you remind everyone why it was created in the first place don't get rid of it you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. but like you've got to at least educate people yeah. on why was why this was created to begin with. Yeah. And so, but going back to like that whole undergraduate idea, you know, learning that theory and stuff could be really inspiring someone to go study composition. Maybe not in their undergraduate degree. Maybe they would go to get a graduate degree in that. Or maybe they'd want to just go take composition lessons right. and see where that takes them. Or, you know, people complain about history too. Um, but there are complete careers in, in history. And I mm-hmm. think like for me as a player... Not reading those really dull, like, Bebop was created because, you know, musicians were angry. Like, that, <laughs> that, that is so... D- does uh, that say, is that written somewhere? There, there's these textbooks that are like, oh, oh no. the music is bedlam. It's like, okay. And they, you know, it sounds fast and angry. And it's like, that is the most far... The new, the new craze the sweeping new the nation. Be- Black jazz. <laughs> Black bebop. And, but, you know, if you learn that, like, <laughs> as opposed to the white bebop. Um, but so if you, if you know, though, that during that time that, that they were coming back from World War II and like black vets were getting their eyes gouged out still Jesus as Christ. like signs of racism and, yeah. and they still didn't have basic rights, even though they died for the country. So this music came out of those feelings and, and, you know, Dizzy, like, talks a lot about this of like yeah it may sound like bedlam my life was bedlam like knowing that 
should change how you play. But it's you not, know anthropology. But it's fucking <laughs> it's it, the it's bedlam. It, it's organized bedlam, man. It's like it's exactly. the most like eloquently stated fucking yeah. like, sonic poetry that you could exactly. have. Exactly, and so, and that's I think that there's more literature saying that there's so more, but, but there, again you have yeah. to be into the research you can't just read one of those textbooks that right. you get in your history class that is so just kind of like okay we're gonna just say these statements because it's too much information to go into yeah. that much context and well that yeah well it's and now it's like so it's like if you can only get a surface level yeah. understanding i think that you need to include certain things in that exactly. surface level understanding in order to give a better overview exactly. rather than go like uh, well, jazz players call each other cats. Yeah, you know? and, but that's the thing. Like I, and so I think being in those undergraduate classes and maybe learning these like few nuggets of yeah. knowledge could inspire people to go down the history route. Because like I love research. Like I'm such a yeah. I'm a nerd. But like I, I really, kind of. I kind of a nerd. <laughs> um, kind of. She's uh, for our listeners. She's wearing a pocket protector. Hell yeah! You got my big glasses on. <laughs> I don't know why I went Southern. That was like the wrong <laughs> accent to do this. Sorry, I'm just I trying you. to fit in. I get um, it. <laughs> Louisiana. That's I understand. Right. But uh, yeah, you know, like I I actually had fun writing my my doctoral document. Yeah. It was fun to do my own research. And, it, and well, you're genuinely interested in oh, what yeah. you're doing. So and, it's and like, that's who you want. <laughs> exactly. Doing that. And and so like, but that's another path you can go into that people might not be aware of. And then you can go into the yes, you can play. All of us yeah. can play. But I hate to break it to anybody like. That can't be your only trick. It has to be. I it think has that be, has to be at the core. But I think that because you then understand, yeah, mechanics of not even just like oh, I know how far away my mic has to be has to be from yeah. my saxophone. It's more just like you understand how hard people work yeah. to be a musician. To oh, yeah. be like, I just had a conversation with my dad about how like you know he used to play organ, uh, and he like really wanted me to. Uh, like I was playing music and he kind of, he, he saw that I was doing the same kind of thing that he did, but he sort of, he, it's not that he gave up, but he, he had to go a safer route because he had kids. Right. Yeah. So like, and I don't, and I was, of he, my parents afforded me a lot of opportunity to go and do this stuff. And so I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. And so he was saying that he recognized how hard it is. He looked around when he was my age at that like freshman level of going to college age, um, maybe sophomore, um, and saw how hard people had to work in order to maintain that, like in order to yeah. do the five to nine thing yeah. that you're talking about. And he, it, it's like he respects it, right? And yeah. Because like, so I think that having that at its core, having playing an instrument and knowing how fucking long yes. it takes to get to a certain point to just be able to play a solo over some changes and not sound like you're skating over them. Yep. It takes fucking years, years. man. It takes more than four years. And that's, that, that's <laughs> the thing. Like I, I just, there's like two thoughts I have off that one is like, clearly there are people like take Sammy Nesco. He didn't yeah. continue playing the trombone, right? He went to writing and, and, I didn't even know he played the trumpet. Exactly. (laughs) What's the other famous? Is it Quincy Jones played the trumpet? Okay. And then because of an aneurysm in his forehead, that's why he went to producing or something like that. I don't. Hopefully that's correct. uh, Your episode's coming up, Quincy. That's right. If you want to be on, um, (laughs) that'd be that'd be lit. Um, But you know, the other side of that is like my parents saw within me that I I am not suitable to teach 
secondary students. Like high school. Yeah. Yes. And that my father, though he did that. Why? Because they're not. Why? Well, I think it's changed now. But when I was younger, I had no patience. Yeah. I really didn't. I, I, I couldn't handle a puppy being in the room when I was doing homework. It's like a famous story in my family. They like bought a puppy for me because I asked for one for my birthday. And I remember I was, this, this is going to make me sound like even more of a nerd. But I was doing calculus homework. And then the puppy like would not leave me alone. And so I picked it up. And I went to my bedroom, my parents' bedroom, and I dropped it and said, "This is yours now." And I walked. <laughs> it's oh like sixteen-year-old me. This puppy is a nuisance, father. I, I really, I was so trying to do it. calculus. In I here. couldn't do my calculus, man. <laughs> um, of course, as I've as I've grown up, I, I I teach kids over the summer, like from like right. ages five to like adults yeah. beyond college. But regardless, like I think the other side of it, like having two educated parents. Well, everyone. So my grandparents are both. We're both principals. Yeah. My parents both taught in public education for like over 30 years. My sister teaches sign language at a high school and my brother-in-law oh, wow. teaches. At a high school? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, isn't that tight? They, that's awesome. Yeah. And, Cal- um, California, California alarm. That's right. Tight. Whoa. You also said um, lit earlier. I said so lit. I, I, I let it pass. I, you had to. Okay. It's my age showing. I'm sorry. But <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll try to hide that again. Um, but uh, so I think that they saw that like my father, through the public education system, lost out on a lot of pay. Mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of extra hoops that you have to go through dealing with parents now mm-hmm. dealing with it's yeah. a different world to work in and and having to do a band during that traveling with them doing all of that for the pay that you get yeah and for the constant i think my parents just saw that i i have a knack for teaching which i will admit now i do actually i can tell that i can reach students on a level that they at least stay in the classroom afterwards, yeah. which is always like a sign to educators of like, they like it so much. They just don't want to leave, you know, where as opposed to they're packing up as fast as possible and they want to get the hell out of yeah. your room. Yeah. I, I get the opposite. They all want to stay there and talk. And I'm the yeah. one who's like, I'd really like to go to my office. Yeah. Like, yeah. Please. But you know, but that's such a cool thing for me to see that I at least get, and in this case, they're non-majors too, that they're that yeah. into jazz history, that they're like, I just, I just want to stay here and talk to you about this thing that I found. And I think it's cool. And it's like, that is cool. It's, and I think talking to people that know, and I think that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast. And I think maybe why someone who isn't necessarily a musician or, yeah. a, or a game audio person would listen to this podcast is that listening to someone talk about something that they're genuinely interested yeah. in makes you it's interesting it's just it inherently interesting well and um, yeah and you're because you you're get, gonna highlight the really interesting points of it. it's like oh this is really cool because well and we always you know, talk about like classes no matter what subject it is that you like and it's never about the subject it, it really at the core of it it was who was your teacher at the time like yeah. i hate math why do i hate math because my <laughs> teachers I still remember this day. They're puppy. the ones because that, that stupid puppy. stupid puppy couldn't let me just do my. I don't even know equation names anymore. So one of those things that you do in calculus, I can't even add anymore. I count my fingers now. Puppy. It's because the puppy ruined the yeah. whole process. But- Hello, listeners. I had to break this into two episodes again. Sorry about that. Here's part two coming up next.